Welcome to the daily VFN Radio Highlights, where we're keeping the conversation light at VFNTV.com. Enjoy. You know, The Shack, the movie's coming out, but it started with a book, but actually also started with a testimony. Mm. But this is James Robinson interviewing William Paul Young. He is the author of the book, The Shack, that sold over 18 million copies, the bestseller of all, top 10 bestseller of all times. And he's t- James Dobson, when he, James Robinson, when he heard, read this book, it shifted his whole life. And, mm. you know, and he has a man, he's, he's a great heart, James does. And, and so he invited the author on to be able to talk to him. Let's hear what Paul Young had to say. Take a look. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to life today. I've got a book here titled The Shack. This book I couldn't put down. And I'll read some. Normally it takes a few days or weeks to read it. But I read this in less than 48 hours. Kept me up late at night reading. And I didn't want to put it down because I was in the shack. And the shack is where people get stuck. And we need a meeting with God where we're stuck to ever get unstuck. And what the character... Mac, McKenzie, Phillips, faces. It's happened to a child, a member of his family, it just unbe- unbearable. And, you, you know, you need to see. And then where he was taken by, by Papa, by God, and, and three people show up, God and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who is a person, and they're in these characters in this shack meeting with this person who was stuck, and this is the place of his pain. And it's the most incredible thing because the book unfolds and it's, it's, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. I want you to welcome the author of The Shack, Paul Young. Back to life for Paul. Let's, let's try to cover some ground. You gave us your story. Yes. Hurt by religion, hurt by abuse, hurt by your own failures, hurt by trying to perform. And then you met God. And over a period of time, your life was literally transformed, and 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 your wife, you you know, you took her through some pretty painful stuff. Absolutely, you uh, you were unfaithful. Absolutely, you uh, with her best friend. Yes, and uh, she said she'd never believe anything you said again. Here you are, sure. a religious person. Now, after this process of you going into the shack and you having an encounter with the living God—not religion, not performance, not legalism, not not a bunch of stuff, not institutions, but a relationship—what did your wife say to you? It was last summer, and. Uh, we're sitting around with a group of friends and in front of me to them, she says to them, I never thought I would ever say this. It was all worth it. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, I'm, the pain was hard. The failure is not right. But she's saying to them, this man is worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, that's the incarnation, right? That's, the, that's God coming into the midst of our stuff and being there throughout the process with the desire to bring us to heal. So that all those who've been hurt even by your failure and your shortcoming, your sin, your wickedness, yep. can then say the process, the transformation, the change, the power of a mighty God, not religion, not somebody's tradition, not someone's yep. talk, but the power of God to so change the person who hurt me so deeply that it was worth even the pain for what's happened. That's absolutely. what she basically said. That is absolutely right. You are saying that we can meet a God that wherever we've been hurt can show us his sufficiency, his grace, his greatness in the three people, yep. the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, 
and you showed how these individuals in this shack of horrible pain with your main character, how they related and how they related to your circumstances, you being the character in the book, yeah. all the pain, that, that it, was, it was a marvel to watch this incredible journey. And you believe this is the, the reality God offers, not the pretense or the wishful thinking, but the reality of a relationship with a living God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you can actually have this relationship. You know, Oprah's kind of hung up in living in the now. And I believe the now is where Jesus is in the present, exactly. dealing with your exactly past right. pain, your present pressures and problems, and, and your future pursuits. He deals with them with the now of his presence. Is that what Absolutely. you're getting across? Absolutely. If, if there isn't this relationship in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then, then we're out. And it's the fact that everything is in and of and for and through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. That's why the road is narrow. It comes down to Him. And yet He has taken us into Himself. And there is no, no break in terms of His relationship with the Father at any point. No separation. But we've been taught theologically or whatever that God is at a distance watching us. And it's all about behavior. My friend Baxter Kruger gave me these glasses and he says, we have been trained to look like this, you know, and there's a, and this is our blindness. And there comes a, there comes this process in which not to give us glasses, but to actually heal our eyes. And in that process, Spiritualized, yes, yeah. uh, we begin to know the truth about who he is, that he is not ashamed of us, that he crawls into the middle. Mm -hmm. One of the dominant images in, in the book is that Papa has nail scars in his wrists. The father. The father. And people say, well, how can you do that? I mean, their image of God is that kind of God the father said, I'm sorry, Jesus, we've got to leave now because I don't like to get myself dirty. I, all wet. I'm dressed in white, you know. And so I'm out of here. I'll come back, get you in three days. And, but I'm sorry, you have to do the dirty work. As if Jesus stopped being God at that point. Mm -hmm. and, and the reality is, is that in 2 Corinthians 5.19, it says that Papa... God the Father was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins And yet there was them. a separation that he took that we would have without his mediation between us. In other words, he took the full brunt of sin himself. But, but God was in it. Right. You know, no question about it. No, no question. And people say, well, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that is the point in which Jesus absolutely entered into our sense of separation. Right. And that is that, that we know what that's like, not having a sense of the presence of God, whether he's there or not, and he's there. And, and Jesus at that moment no longer felt the sense of the presence of his Father. And then he makes the statement of faith immediately, but into your hands I commit my spirit. I know this is not true, mm -hmm. he's saying. And Papa from his side, he's saying, I am coming inside when you become sin for humanity. I'm inside of that. And God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The issue of the father becomes huge. I'm sure you're aware of this, but the word father is only used like 15 times in the entire Old Testament. And it's only used in a general sense. And by the time we come to the new covenant, Jesus says, look, no one knows the father. Not Moses, not Abraham. Not the prophets, not David. No one knows the Father. 
And John's gospel uses the word father over a hundred times. And he uses it personally. 176 times in the synoptic gospels and John. And, and Paul starts virtually every letter, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden you have the revelation in Christ of the father. And that is, is so exploding our old concepts and precepts that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in relationship. And they've come to dwell in me as a habitation and not just a visitation. It's not old covenant. He's come to live in me, I in him and he in me. And that from the inside, in the middle of all my stuff, my shack, that he begins to transform me without shame. And, and Peter says, you are now receiving the object of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This isn't how you think, how you see, how you touch. And, and you asked for it. The Holy Spirit was inside of you saying, well, this is a good praise song. Let's sing this one. You want to be free. You know, you want to know him. You know, you were praying the dangerous prayers, whether you knew it or not. And he's come and said, okay, that's all we need. We're coming in. And we're coming in as a habitation, and we're not leaving because he who has begun a good work in you will perfect it. And he is the one who begins to unwind us from the inside and out. And that work, that work of salvation is in Christ Jesus who Absolutely. we receive into our lives. This is, not, this is not some separation. When Jesus said, I leave and I send the Holy Spirit, when he sent the Holy Spirit, he is actually indwelling us. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus yep. didn't just go off and live somewhere John 14, else. 15, Even though he's 16. a person. Yep. He's in us right now in spirit. Absolutely. The living Jesus. The Trinity has come into relationship with us. And this is what you talk about. It's a fellowship. It's not just showing up down at the meeting house. It's living in fellowship Everything with God. is about our adoption. That's the whole point. Adoption is right at the top. That that's what he intended to do in Ephesians. He 1. wants to adopt everyone too. Absolutely. You know, there sometimes people go and, and want to take a child home from an orphanage and a kid won't go. You can say no, but God is saying, I'm inviting you. I'm calling you. He wants all of us. Now, there are impressions because you show God as having this incredible love outreach and you're just loving everybody, no matter what label or title or race, which he just loves everybody. It doesn't matter what the label is. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And I ask you, are you talking about universalism? Are you talking about just everybody ultimately is saved? And you said emphatically, no. No, I'm not a universalist. The only way into the Father's embrace is through the finished work of Jesus Christ and what Papa did in Christ on the cross. No question. That is, you know, that, that's what we're talking about is that this God is still on plan A, which included him reaching across that boundary to us, regardless of what our attitude was. Do you think when you talk about the shack being the place people are stuck, do you think so many people get hurt and you were hurt? I was hurt. I look back in the childhood and the things that hurt me cause me to be stuck until God brings me out with this relationship, not just a discussion we had, not just Absolutely. a conversation. You all could have had all the talks you wanted to in the shack until Mac understood that he was going home, driving home back to the family, and this God relationship was real, and it was going home with him. It yes. wasn't like it's something you do occasionally. This is You said it's not something you add to the list. Correct. God's talking, and I'm the center of everything. I'm the center of every moment of every day. I want to be the exactly. center. It's all about us. We don't even make it without that connection. We're just existing. You talked about a garden that's just plowed under, and it's, it's worthless until it becomes fruitful. And to me, the fruitfulness 
is is the relationship and the fullness of God, His yes. Spirit in us. Is that Father, that Son, and Holy Spirit? Absolutely central. Absolutely. You know, He comes and we, He begins this process of unwinding us. You know, it's kind of like we are this ball of string, the hurt that you've talked about, and it's a yarn that has been twisted up and has got knots inside of knots inside of knots, and it's all tangled up and it's got bits of wood and dirt and string and and God comes and he's the only one big enough because of the beauty and the uniqueness of what he's designed in you. You know, human beings are phenomenal and God has way more respect for his creation than we do. And he comes and 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 gently but firmly begins to untie all those knots without breaking the string. And he's the only one big enough who can do that. He's the only one that knows you well enough that he can do that but he's at the center of everything. What is your hope for the book? I've had incredible feedback from people, and it, it seems to come down to the relationship, to knowing that God is bigger than all the pain and the heartache and that he was there, and somehow he lets me see beyond the place I'm stuck, I'm held captive. What, what, what do you see in, in, in your heart, your hope for the book? I hope that the lies drop away about God's character. You know, we live in a world so full of uncertainty, and a lot of times we take our religion and try to get God's behavior to be certain by doing enough performance rules, by having enough faith, whatever that commodity is, that we can finally get him to do what we want him to do, which we think is in our best interests. And when he won't perform to magic like that, we feel, where is their certainty? And the certainty is in his character. If there's no other place that I can plant my feet, I can plant them in the place that says he's good and he's involved. And I can put my feet there and know that he's good and he's involved. I don't even have to understand what's going on. I, I know that in the process of him unwinding me, which is an absolute, like you said earlier, unique process to every human being. I can't compare my healing process with anybody else and the timing of it and how it happens. I look back and I'm, I'm surprised by the change, but there's change. And this God who has crawled inside the middle of all this has come with a desire and an affection and a kindness that leads me to transformation. And don't you find that, that Paul, when we enter into this, that this river of life, this river, mm -hmm. the result of the relationship cannot be contained. It has to be released. And out of the innermost being of the free person, Come streams of living water. That's his life. He is a, a God who loves to share. So for that to begin to happen as a part of who I am now, since he has joined himself to me. You know, Jesus did not come to be a model. He came to be our life from the inside. And everything he is is now wedded to me. Everything the Spirit is is now wedded to me. That means that I don't have to pray for patience. That's why nobody prays for patience in the New Covenant. <laughs> what they do is... They realize that by nature now, he has wed patience to my character. And for me to act in impatient ways is for me to go contrary to my nature. Mm -hmm. And I can begin to express this life that is the life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What you're doing for water, that's an expression of the Trinity. That's an expression of this life that is inside of you. 
And that is a natural, you're not working hard to want to do. I don't have to, to work hard. To I, no. I, I can't quench that. It's and inside of me. Everything you love is like that. And that's why there's no break between spiritual things and secular things for if the If I believer. shut myself off from that, I've shut myself off from life. If I, if I close myself off to the release of that, then I have ceased to have what he's offering me. Yeah. In other words, I've, I've quenched, quote, the spirit. I've, I've, I've done something that that is is it's contrary to my own well-being and everybody else's. And and yet when we fail, and this is the thing that's so marvelous, when we fail, he's still there. He doesn't bail out. And when we're brokenhearted, he's still there. And he is an awesome God. And I'm going to tell you what he can do, repair. And he, and he yeah. by the way, he's not finished with me yet. I haven't uh, arrived. Or I'm, me I'm either, still working. And, and I'm on my journey, but I'm with him. You want to say thanks to Paul Young for sharing with us. That's Paul Young. He's the writer of the book, The Shack. The Shack is referring to our heart. The tattered and torn mm -hmm. shack is like a, the broken and contrited heart person. So this book, mm -hmm. the author, Paul Young, or William Young, but Paul Young is what he goes by, that he's talking about his own personal journey. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But the shack in itself is really our heart, a broken and contrite yeah. heart. People, you know, you know, in America, we're like, Things all fixed up nice. Discovery Channel, then the next thing they're remodeling. But the truth is, you know, we come broken, tattered, and torn. And God begin. He comes in the middle of all of our, our mess mm -hmm. and begins to restore us and, and forgive us and to give us hope and a future and to free us. And, and it's a very exciting thing. And it makes me think about the movie. That's the book that we were just talking about in the early part of the program. But the movie is coming out this March. And I want you to take a look at what this movie's about. It's going to bless your heart. Car leaves in 20 seconds. We gotta go. Let's go. Do you think the princess should have a red dress like mine? Red it is. Where's Missy? Missy! Where's Missy? Sorry, Mac. They haven't seen her. Missy! Missy! Who's scared? I didn't know what to do. Awful suspect sighting. Ground teams found the truck in the mountains. I'm really sorry, Mr. Phillips. <laughs> you want some help over there? I'm okay. Well, some dinner tonight. Maybe next time. If you want to warm up, Mackenzie Allen Phillips. I've been looking forward to this. Do I know you? Not very well, but we can work on that. This is incredible. He's still having a hard time believing this is real. Why did you bring me here? There's no easy answer that'll take your pain away. Where were you when I needed you? I never left you. I never left this. Ain't it just like a tear? I want him to hurt like he hurt me. You want the promise of a pain-free life. There isn't one. You can do this. I can't. Put on your own skin. This is your flying lesson.
I'm telling you, the book was amazing. Of course, everything that you read, you read in your own voice, your mm-hmm. own experience with God. Mm-hmm. So one person can read a book and they think of it critically because that's their voice. Mm-hmm. Some people can read a text and be offended and the person who sent the text was actually sending a loving text. And it's like, what's in people's hearts? So how you, how I read this book, it just blessed my heart because I was trying to see outside the walls of religion and, and find this intimate expression of, of the Lord and what was taking place at the time. Well, over 18 million people, you know, pursued this book and it became a conversation and now they've got a movie coming out about it. And of course, the, some people have, have, have read it and are seeing even the movie that's playing and in their voice, what they're hearing, hearing is, is that God, you know, couldn't be betrayed like that. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's so many dimensions to God, you know, all the different aspects of them. You got to have a different name for all of them. The ultimate name is I am. But I even think of this because one of the, the characters that in the book talking about God is also, you know, masculine and feminine. And, and some people are saying, well, you know, God can't be feminine. But look at Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. You know, the, the Word of God says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them. Which means men and women are created in the image and the likeness of God. And so to get the full dimensions of God when you're talking about Him, you know, it could be expressed that way. But the reality is, this is an issue that really came up to the author Paul Young. And he's being interviewed a little, a few years later mm-hmm. uh, by James Robson about this issue because some people began to say, well, there's no way that God, a part of God, can be can portrayed as any feminine characteristics right. or masculine characteristics. And the shack is his heart. It's what's inside of his heart and what's going on. But let's take a look at see what he said about that. A few years ago, I was actually going to remember where I was. I was... Uh, sharing with uh, what I I was speaking in the Nashville area, having lunch with a contractor that had built a platform for me to preach on in Gallatin, Tennessee, and they talked him into staying around to see the preacher. He wasn't a Christian. And he stayed and he got saved, wonderfully saved. Uh, He loves Jesus. He is now one of our trustees of our board, the Life Outreach. And uh, I was eating lunch with him and he said, hey, a lot of people in our church are reading this book. Matter of fact, they're talking about it. Would you check it out and just see what you think? And it was called The Shack. That's interesting, The Shack. Uh, he told us a while ago, it went and did so well, he thought maybe he'd come back now and write one called The Condo. Well, that already <laughs> is a whole different audience. But Paul Young published the book in his garage. And it was a book he published because he had a broken heart for his truly fouled up life. Now, whether he wants to share what happened, that's his call. He was stuck. He got unstuck and he wanted to help his family understand. So he wrote The Shack. Very unusual book. No need in being critical because it's a little different because it did reveal the greatness of our God to get anybody unstuck. Well, he has a new book. It's called Crossroads. And he's here to tell us about it. And I would like, and by the way, The Shack that was in the garage... Uh, he finally had to get out of the garage into the real publishing industry. I mean, you know, like you know, like a real writer. <laughs> well, has it done anything? Uh, how about 18 million copies 
of the shack. Would you say welcome to Paul Young? Thank you. Paul, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, too. Thanks. You really, you really blessed us when you were here. Uh, I think you remember we, we stayed afterwards and, and we just uh, prayed with people. They, they didn't want to leave. Absolutely. And one of the reasons they didn't want to leave was because we had a wonderful, full audience. There were a lot of them that were willing to admit we're stuck. We don't be stuck anymore. And so we just prayed for them. And the reason that we prayed for them, and you made it very clear, it wasn't to sell them a book, what didn't even get them to read a book. You wanted them unstuck. Yep. And you showed them love, the love of God that you revealed in the characters that represented God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. Yep. Now, you're showing us, and you showed us the Holy Spirit. You're throwing us another curve on the way you reveal the Holy Spirit. It's like you think the Holy Spirit could live anybody and behave like the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to me. <laughs> it's like God could just be in anybody and reveal himself. I mean, what kind of thinker are you? I mean, you're a wife. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> imagery was never intended to define God. Right? Because right. there's lots of imagery all over Scripture. There's masculine imagery. You know, God is Father. There's feminine imagery. Um, God is a woman who loses a coin. Or God is a, a woman who's a, a nursing mother bouncing her baby on her hip. That's in the Hebrew Scriptures. And uh, so the imagery, there's inanimate objects. God is a rock and a fortress and a strong tower. We know that God's yeah, not those things. for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, even in, in the Old Testament, Ruach is feminine for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? And uh, the verbs are feminine. And uh, it doesn't mean that God is male or female. And I wasn't trying to say that. I was trying to say, look, you know, all of maleness, all of femaleness is derived from the nature and character of God. You really weren't trying to get into a theological discussion. You were trying to show people that God is great enough to come into your situation and make the difference you're looking for. Well, and here's part of the beauty of it. A lot of, a lot of us who've grown up, I'm a missionary kid and a preacher's kid. So, you know, Pharisees are my people, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but a, a lot of us grew up with an with an idea of God being distant, unapproachable, unreachable. In fact, a lot of us had a theology where Jesus came to save us from God the Father. That's right? sad. Isn't it? It's very sad. Yeah. But uh, it, a lot of us understand that, mm -hmm. and and then we have a we have a difficulty trying to trust someone like that, and um, and so you know those of us who grew up that way. That that distance doesn't make any sense. And you can't trust someone you don't know loves you. And it was like there is a secret agenda behind the back of Jesus, you know, and you have to try to please this God. Well, for some of us and a lot of us who have been broken and have damage in our histories, we're not we don't have what it takes to please people and live up to their expectations, even our own fathers or, you know, let alone God. And and, and to learn to trust? Now that's a whole different ballgame. Why does it surprise us that the first conversation in the Bible about God is in the mouth of the accuser and he's saying, you can't trust him. He's not good all the time. You know, he is, uh, he doesn't want you to become everything you were intended to be and he'll lie to you. So, you know, mm. a lot of people have, a, this is one particular minister said this. He said, you know, when I was first in ministry, he said, I had a, a lot of answers and very few questions. But now that I've been in ministry a long, long time, I have very few answers. But I would die for those answers, but a lot of questions. One country preacher said this on the radio. He said, ever since you know, I've been in ministry for a long time, and I realize the longer I get in ministry, the more ignorer and ignorer and the ignorer I get, 
the truth is, if a man tells you he knows everything about God, you know, that's the man you don't listen to because everybody knows in part and prophesies in part. But God does reveal himself to us and you can learn about the dimensions of God and, and the Word just bears this whole thing out. If you get in the Word, you can find out you know, where things are, are headed and where they're not heading when somebody's having a conversation with you. But it's, it's so dimensional to begin to say, you know, what is it going to take for us to break out of these barriers? What's going to take us to trust God? It's going to take, uh, what's going to take us to forgive someone or to, to be willing to say, God, I want this out of my life. I want this stronghold gone out of my life. It's going to take us to say, you know what? God, I want you to heal my heart. That's the shack. That's what he's talking about. You know, that we got to go there to places that we didn't want to go to bring to God. And God says, I will not turn away from a broken and contrary heart. And as a matter of fact, this whole book was not a book at all. It was an experience, mm -hmm. an experience that Paul Young had that he walked out and his wife asked him, can you put down a few notes about this so you can share it with the kids? As a matter of fact, listen to how this book came to pass. And she, for about four years at the end of this, had been saying, you know, someday, because I was a writer my whole life, in the sense that anybody is, you write stuff for your friends and family, and, and uh, you give it to them, and they love it because they're your friends and family. You know, poetry and songs and short stories. And, and she always loved what I wrote. And she said, you know, someday as a gift for our six children, would you put in one place how you think, because you think outside the box. And when it got printed, she said, I was thinking like four to six pages. <laughs> and I wrote a story on the train to one of my three jobs. I had 40 minutes each way, and we had nothing. We had lost everything in 2004, which was part of the healing process. If you have the fear of financial insecurity, there's nothing quite like losing everything to help heal you. <laughs> and... And Kim was working at the high school bakery, and we were living in a rental flat with about 900 square foot of space with six of us. And, and the joy of God had dropped on us. Joy had become a constant companion. That's what happens when you live inside the grace of a day. You don't run away from joy. You know, we are so geared to be future trippers. That's, that's what we do when we can't trust we create imaginations that don't exist and we spend real grace that was given for us for today on things that don't exist. And I'd stop becoming a future tripper. In 2005, my prayer was, I had two prayers left. <laughs> you know, for a religious kid, that's not bad. My two prayers were this, Papa, I don't want to be an old man one day looking back at my life and wondering what would it have been like to take the risk of actually trusting? To take the risk of relationship and community? I don't want to be that guy. And my second prayer is, Papa, I'm never going to ask you to bless anything that I do. But, now, let me explain that first part. I'm a religious kid, so give me a dream, a vision, a word, or something. I'll turn it into an agenda. Give me half a chance. Right? And I... My whole life has been like trying to get God to follow me. Hey, I got this great idea for me, for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at what we could do, you know? And it's all a way to find identity, worth, value, significance, security, meaning, purpose, you know, in something you can control. And, and uh, I said, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm never going to ask you again to bless anything that I do, but if you have something, you're blessing. And it would be okay for me to be a part of that and participate, I'd be all over it. And I don't care if I'm cleaning toilets, 
which was one of my jobs, or shining shoes or holding the door open for others. I just want to know at the end of the day, you did this and I got to participate. And you look at the shack, which is a phenomenon which nobody saw coming, and it gave people a language to have a conversation about God that was relational, not religious, and it broke down all these walls, and it, and it found the precious places of people's heart. And in retrospect, I see God with God's great sense of humor goes, well, Paul, you know this little book you're writing for Christmas for your kids? What if I bless that? You give it to your kids and then I'll give it to mine. And that's what happened to the praise of his glory. That's so exciting when you think about the, the, you know, the living in the, the moment, the grace of the moment. But you have to realize, he was in a building that someone built, being interviewed by a minister who led that, wearing a mic that some sound man was running, that somebody else had a video camera. So there's that tension between the Mary and the Martha. You know, we want to live in that moment and now, but the only way that you actually got to experience that is because we had people that are willing mm -hmm. to, to do. So, but it is important. I mean, that's one of the, our goals in VFN is to bring the church to that moment and believing that God's raising up folks to do the heavy lifting so that you could live that life in such a way that you can just be and share the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. And we're going to be talking in our next program about dealing with shame because shame has to go before we begin to, to, uh, to walk this kind of walk. But it's so exciting. Make sure you see the movie's going to be in March and we'll be talking more about it. Let me pray with you right now. Father God, we love you, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, for our salvation. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for how we're created in your image and your likeness, Father God, that you are who you are, Father God. And we love you. We acknowledge you. And we thank you, Lord, for this man that laid out his life and uh, wrote down some things and those that labored to be able to produce it in video format, in a movie for people to be able to experience it, God. I pray right now for healing of the heart for those that are watching. God, heal their hearts where their shack, their heart is all broken from all different things that have hurt them in their life, that you would just go in and begin to encourage them and enter that part of their life and begin to bring healing in Jesus' name. And God, we ask you, Lord, end abortion, sin revival, send a third grade away, can we pray? In Jesus' name, God bless and Merry Christmas to you. You've just been listening to the highlights from VFN TV and the Data Radio program, where we're keeping the conversation light. Listen or watch more programs and check out the VFN Torch at VFNTV.com. Don't forget about our VFN TV app where no matter where you are, you can take the light with you and share with your friends. We want to thank our sponsors and partners who make this program possible. Take the time and support our sponsors. You can locate them at VFNTV.com and select sponsors. If you'd like to become a sponsor or a partner, you can do so at VFNTV.com. VFN TV and the daily radio program where we're keeping the conversation light. Oh,